You don't get it, you've got it all wrong What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? You're one to talk You're the pot calling the kettle black Let me explain why you're the one that's wrong Anything Hey everyone, welcome to another week on Blessed Child Podcast This week is the long-awaited episode on dating post-purity culture in the UC. This topic is extremely difficult to talk about because we have to admit our faults and we have to admit where we messed up, but in doing so, we can help others validate their experience with growing up in the Unification Church and undo the harm that has been done by connecting and talking about our experiences because the system is broken the system is flawed and it's creating a lot of problems so i commend these brave souls for coming on to bless child podcast to speak about our mistakes and what we've learned from them and how to move forward and how to pull each other out of a dark place it is so awesome that Kathleen Bell and HK Ishida could come on to my podcast. In the background singing here is Kathleen Bell, and you can find more of her music. She has a podcast called Create Imperfect Anyway. And let's just dive right into it. Here we go. with being wrong so welcome to blessed child podcast i'm so excited we have two former weight team members <laughs> three former weight team members on the show today um we were just talking about how i know the topic today is about dating but just for this topic on and of itself part of the journey for me of like healing and figuring out who i am is trying to recognize what parts of my experience in the unification church was really me and how do I use those forces for like myself or the way I want to use them for a more positive, more empowering thing for others. And the way team, which was like sexual education, performing arts group that would like promote abstinence a lot. For me, that was a big venue to, to discover and practice dancing. And like dancing for me is like one of my core sources of community now. And so like that in many of its many ways, like kind of saved me. Another part of it was like this sort of, altruistic wanting to make a difference in the world and I still want to do that but just to like not so much of an idealistic kind of thing and like an unhelpful message um but like that part's still in there so like now now I'm an intern to be a school psychologist and it's like okay still want to work with kiddos but let's let's actually have more empowering message versus like such a limiting one that that the weight team had if that makes sense 100 percent I Renee, can you, do you relate as like, have you gone through a similar journey with like art and performing? Because you dance too, right? Well, yeah, I did do breakdancing on the weight team, but I have no coordination. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know if you've listened to this show uh, in the beginning, I was like really angry and had a lot of processing to do. Actually, when I talked to you, Kathleen, it was one of the first times it was like, we don't have to throw out everything. Like you can still save some of the kimchi from the buffet. What that was from the Unification Church was like connection and friendship and global understanding and like these really deep and meaningful relationships. And so I started that. I think that was the turning point for me to be like, wait, there's some things I can I can still hold on to and that I can still integrate into who I am. And so 
just doing these podcasts is helping me um, reclaim that. Like you could go to Chumpyong and meet somebody from all over the world at one, one dinner table. That was really awesome. And I I think I want to hold that. So like HK is taking his dancing and like the community from, from the weight and reaching out to the youth. And I'm taking the global connection and just like really getting to know people on a, on a personal level. I love that. I love that we can take that and, and take that from the church and keep it in our daily life. I think that's really cool. Me too. Yeah, I completely resonate with I'm I'm glad this is coming up because even thinking about dating subconsciously weight was in the back because I think so my where I was placed the the kind of persona that I clicked into in in weight especially when I was doing it full time um for a gap year was the singer. I was the singer. I was the singer songwriter and they you know I'd always be the one up in front of the mic, you know, with my original songs or the song for your co-writing. And I was thinking in prep for this um, for this episode about the messages that we'd send and how how they ended up getting so deeply rooted into my understanding of what partnership and the creation of a partnership ought to be. Uh, and it's really interesting now to look back at them and be like, huh, okay, that's why you were so clingy. That's why you were so t- codependent, not just because of that one song lyric, but because of everything that you know, everything beneath that piece of the iceberg. And so now when I write my own music and I give myself permission to feel angry, I give myself permission to say, I never knew it was possible to say thank you and fuck you to the same person, like to write those kinds of <laughs> lyrics now. Um, and to learn that you can be really pissed at how someone treated you, but uh, still take the good and move and like, let it push you forward. It's like, I am really grateful that weight gave me the opportunity to start honing that craft, like, like you guys with dance and now, but now I get to do it on my own terms. And I love how the same is true for relationship building or, you know, dating in this case. Yeah. I I know our topic is dating and I was thinking about it and I'm like, that's such a tabloid subject. You know, it sounds like, Ooh, like 51st date, how to do do, 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 like what to wear? No. (laughs) I was thinking about it and I know it sounds terrible, but actually at the root of that is human relationships and healthy connections and healthy relationships. And I was thinking about it at its core in the Unification Church. I've heard people say it in passing, but I really want to dive into that in the Unification Church, it was a toxic environment in which codependency and narcissism ran rampant. And so coming out of that structure, that church structure where, you know, you always have to report something forward. You have to get permission with who to marry. You have to always seek approval from others. That that shaped me to be very susceptible to, uh, I guess, codependent relationships after I got out. And I didn't realize because that was normal for me. So I didn't realize that I was you know, being a chameleon in my friendships just for approval and also like food and shelter and basic survival things. Um, and I didn't really know who I was. So when you when you take that foundation and then try to have like an intimate relationship, be it dating or just friendship, it's very difficult to, to find out, you know, what your boundaries are, what your preferences are, what you actually like in a friendship, what you actually need or what you cherish. So those are, those are kind of the things I want to talk about today. And I hope that's not um, too, too much for y'all. I, I just wanted to take away the, like the Hollywood version of dating. Cause like, I know it sounds all fun, but actually there's a, there's a lot of deep rooted issues that I, I think we need to talk about. <laughs> well, let's go for it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's okay. important stuff to talk about. 
Yeah, because like we, I did this alone. I think you guys probably did this alone too. It's like detoxing from this. Yeah. This um, I I found myself. I remember it was a shocking moment when I found out that oh my, like this revelation. Like I'm I'm codependent. I'm extremely co- codependent. It was it was almost life changing. That I still remember the moment. Um, I was in the kitchen and I was just going through my relationships in my head with my family, with my community, with my friends. I think I, another failed relationship had happened um, and I was just running through it. And I was like, how is this? How is this pattern? What, what is this pattern? And it hit me. Was, oh, I'm codependent. Yeah. Do, do, do you guys have any um, anything you want to say about that? Sure. <laughs> For me, the message we're given to as we're growing up is that like, you don't need to, what is it, like invest or care about how you look. You don't really need to invest, you know, being an independent person. Like all the focus was on getting a, eventually your arranged marriage and getting matched and getting blessed and getting married. And so like, you don't like, we sort of skipped over a bunch of personal development for the sake of just like, well, why would you do that? You're just going to get married anyways. You're going to get assigned somebody. And like, for better or worse, my spouse, when I was matched and blessed, all of my personal decisions about how I looked and how I like a lot of big decisions was just like, whatever you want kind of thing, you know? So I never really ever asked myself, you know, what does this make me feel good? Does this make me feel like I'm looking good? Does this make me feel attractive? It was like, whatever, you know, I just put all that power onto her and she didn't really want it either. It was just kind of put on her kind of thing because of the structure we lived in and grew up in when she and I separated and I was there all by myself. I remember my first feelings, like looking in the mirror was like, oh my God, I feel ugly. You know, now that this one, like I put all my personal worth of feeling attractive onto this other person, kind of whatever they want me to be. And now that I'm by myself, I was just like, I, I feel so, I don't know who I am. I feel ugly. You know, I was looking through my wardrobe and I was like, I don't like any of my clothes kind of thing. And I got through that. And that's a whole other story that maybe I'll share later, but like, um any girl that gave me any level of like attention after that I just immediately was like obsessed over them kind of thing and I definitely recognized this pattern like why am I like this and I you know part of me realized yeah I just got all my self-valid all my validation from other people so anytime someone give me a little bit you know I would associate that with like oh you're like somebody really need to get involved with kind of thing I for the most part survived that stage (laughs) grew out of it um but definitely that codependency thing was like just so dependent on the people to make me feel any level of like worthiness was like really unhealthy. And uh, I good enough. I had like a little bit of self-awareness about that. A lot of my close friends are helping me like kind of work through that and, and other things. Um, but yeah, I can go into more detail, but it definitely really on the codependency part. I love that you brought up that very um, solid example about like clothing and appearance and you are beautiful. Just so you know, I I had one of the same experiences when my blessing was falling apart. Um, I got a thousand dollars from one of my parents. I could barely afford food, clothing and rent, but instead of like paying rent or paying for food, I spent all of it on clothes that I thought my spouse would like so that they wouldn't leave me. And it was bizarre. I was just turning into a chameleon like, oh, I'll wear this. I don't care. I don't really like it, but he will like it. 
So, so um, that's like an example like, that you weren't alone in that. I definitely, and it's amazing that you bring that up. It, I wonder if other people have experienced that, that trying to f- form and, and fit into somebody else's standards for approval, uh, even if it's just so shallow and physical, it's, it's like, of course, that's not going to save a relationship, but we were taught, you know, don't have standards, don't, don't have expectations, don't worry about yourself always for the sake of others always. So, so really what, what is, it sounds beautiful and it sounds really idealistic, but the, the dark and ugly side of that is that you have somebody that doesn't have a sense of self-worth and, and it's not prioritizing their needs. And um, it's a very dangerous situation. So we, we both came out of that. Thank God we both came out of that, but that was a real place. And I just want to validate that that, that is a real place that this, this structure in the UC um, bred us to be like. I don't know if Kathleen maybe can relate. Oh, yes. My question, like the reason why I'm getting just sitting back and listening to you guys is I'm also like paging through my life and I'm just like, oh my God, where do I even start? Because... I, I know this came up during our episode together, Renee, but um, the, the one just you and I did, but I told you about how when I went to the matching, I deliberately made myself something of a blank slate. Um, even though, I mean, I, I literally went with the weight team to my matching. Um, so there was definitely like, I performed in front of like all these potential matches, such a weird experience. Um uh, so clearly there was a, there was a person there, like there was someone, someone showed up. Um, but at the same time, career wise, what I wanted life to look like without uh, um, accepting the piece on creativity, I was just like, I can be anything you want me to be. I'll be in the next room doing, doing art projects with them. And it's just going to be so great. And I can, I, I like, so I didn't bring any sense of like a counter proposal. There was no counter proposal. It was about making it work. Right. That's, and that stayed with me for so long, even after when I chose to separate, I also checked into the nearest domestic violence shelter. Like it was, it was bad. Um, and that was an incredible act of self-validation that I have, I deserve better. I've had enough. Um, but even in the process of beginning to date, I can, I could see up until pretty recently that, yeah, that sense of bend me, shape me any way you want me. It took time for that to shed. And I'm really, really glad that that is significantly less in the relationship I'm in now. Um, And I know it's because of how much work I did before getting into that relationship, but even like the little flings before that, it was like, he's talking to me. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm wanted, but so I think it takes time. I also like to think these things, these things are spirals, you know, you, you figure it out on a certain level and then you level up and you have to deal with it in another way. Um, I, I like, cause I know, cause while I was dating, I was, I was also job searching and that, that like, who do you want me to be vibe was so hard. And I was like, I feel like a freaking prostitute. You know, because I felt like I had, I had been a stay-at-home mom for eight years and then boom, here you are, you're in a foreign country, you're still learning the language, but you still need to get a job ready, set, go. And it was terrifying. I was like, and of course, not to mention COVID. So it was like really tricky time to find work, but that codependent energy, so that codependent energy was super strong of like any, just take me please. And the ironic thing, no, I mean, like 
the moral of the story was like the moment I started being myself, boom, boom. Like the people, the people who got me talked about me. And then they, I got a job offer sent to my email, like, Hey, would you like to apply for this job in this nonprofit working with refugees and migrants? And it has been, it has been like just fitting like a glove and the same with the relationship that I'm in. So it's like that code of energy was so, it took so much work to shed. And it's a whole conversation in itself of like, what, what does it take to get from there to here? Um, Happy to dig in, but like, long story short, you asked me, do I resonate? Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. 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 Okay. So what, what resonates from that story is like codependent energy. I feel like it's, it's seriously linked with survival energy. And oh, yeah. I mean, yes, because you're, you will do whatever, like you said, just to get by, but also I want to like highlight that the reason you went to the blessing with in the matching with your weight team, your crew, um, this abstinence preaching crew and then got matched to somebody that you moved to a new country, learn a new language, the rhetoric under that is world peace. You don't do something this nuts unless you're thinking that this is for the survival of humanity. So like in a way we were on like a broad spectrum of survival mode because we had the fate of humankind given to us. That was the mind control tactic that put us in this mode where you we could be so codependent and and always in survival mode because we were told we were going to save humankind. We we and and by like our mission to save humankind is just world peace. And how do you get world peace? Don't be you, be whoever everybody else needs you to be. <laughs> like whoever the besides, yeah. That's kind of the mind, the mind fuck I have to undo. Because it's so backwards. It's so backwards. I I find way more peace being myself than being a chameleon for everybody else. And that was for me, like that was a huge thing that I had to to get over to like associating such a huge responsibility of saving the world with like my romantic life. Like you said, Renee, like growing up, you know, we were making families for world peace. And so like this relationships, family, romantic stuff, sex was all about like saving the, the world. And so who am I to be selfish and have like preferences or like send any kind of like individual, like, you know, selfish desire when like the world is at stake here kind of thing, you know, future generations, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so for me, it's like, it took a while for me to feel like, okay, to have preferences. <laughs> I mean, Kathleen, you talked about this earlier. We were told like be a blank slate and that was constantly reinforced. How can you make it work with like literally anybody? How can you make it work with the most unattractive, annoying sometimes abusive, even like ignore all the red flags kind of thing. How can you make it work? And that was like drilled in us constantly because the world is at stake. There's no room for selfishness kind of thing for any kind of selfish preference. And like, for me to be like, okay, yes, it's good to like, you know, address my like internalized, like racism or homophobia or stuff like that. It's okay to have preferences of like a certain kind of personality type, even a certain type of look even a certain type of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's okay to do that. That to me was such a hard concept to like finally accept. For example, like I'd be going on dates and I'd be so focused on like making it work even on like a first date kind of thing. How can I make this person have a good time? How can I make sure they're happy? You know, then afterwards I would feel like, I'd almost feel like I was in a disassociated state. Like what just happened? Like, do I even like this person? Did I have a good time? 
I have no clue. And slowly, like, I'm just, I'm like, I've been learning to like, it's okay to like, not like somebody, you know, it's okay to like, not make it work. It's okay to be anything, anything, you know, just try to see it for what it is. You know, did you have a good time, HK? You don't need to try to save the world through your dating life anymore, <laughs> kind of thing. And that's been an interesting journey that's just allowed me to also be more independent, to also know who I am and just kind of be in my own power and even try to empower other people, kind of thing, just without trying to this totally unnecessary association between my romantic life and saving the friggin' world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's such a powerful message for young children. I mean, we were told that since the time we were born. And if the community's preaching that and every youth group and every uh, political movement that we do, like even the white team is focused around that message that your romantic life will lead to world peace, you're going to believe it. We were told that from a young age, we need to flip the rhetoric because like it's such a, it was such a powerful message that if, you know, you live for the sake of others, it's, it sounds Sounds good. But actually, in reality, having preferences, linking up with people that are, that can be on your side and in your corner and on your team, with the same goal and the same same type of, you know, end game in mind or just even having fun, pleasure like that, that leads to more peace. Like, how can we drive that message home <laughs> that like the Unification Church, their message is all wrong. There's so many of us that have come out of it. I don't know if anybody's succeeded in in that message. How can you have peace with yourself if you don't even know who you are? Like, how can you have peace if you're just compensating your whole life? It's just compensation. Like, is that peace or is that just compliance? A lifetime of, yeah, compliance and coping. So many coping mechanisms. Like, as, as you guys are talking, I feel like what's coming up for me is like, oh, my God, peace. We were looking at the wrong kind of peace the whole time. This whole, this like world peace story that we were sold uh, was all about, if you, if you peel back the veneer, it was chaos. It was really chaotic. And it was peace on one person's very specific terms and for a very small people's group, a group of people's benefit. Um, But what you guys are describing is the, is the opposite. It's okay. Having, being at peace with yourself and watching what happens when, and, and letting like constructing your life around that sense of like, okay, this is who I am. This is what peace looks like for me. Um, just doing my thing, not hurting anybody else along the way or as little as possible. Life gets so much better. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we're all happier. <laughs> we're all- it's yeah we were just focusing on the wrong kind of peace in my opinion yeah I mean world peace we were focused on every external peace but what about inner peace like in my relationship now I can do whatever I want and I'm not worried my husband's gonna hate me or judge me for looking a certain way or being a certain way because we're compatible that's a big that's a big word that was never really taught compatibility that was a big word like if this whole, the whole church was focused on marriage, that was one factor that was never considered was compatibility. And I think I mean, that it, yeah. it did. Yeah. I mean, it's so nice to have compatibility. You don't have to walk on eggshells. You can rely on somebody. You can trust somebody. You They can be your safety and your safe place when you're feeling weak or when you just need a hug. Like, I don't know. That's a healthy relationship for me. Absolutely. And not living constantly like you're waiting for the, I describe like, okay, that the happiness that I was promised in my, in my marriage was kind of like, 
you knew that there was a package in the mail and it was going to get to your doorstep of this like happiness, this happy family. And you're like, you're watching the (laughs) the tracking. You're like, okay, it's supposed, it's on its way. They, they said it's on its way. And then years go by and you're like, they said it was coming. Where is it? And I mean, that's, that is the, that's like the gut, like that stomach dropping, heartbreaking feeling that I felt, which was like, okay, if you do all the right things, well, that's what you're going to get. That's, 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 you promise to do this. You're going to get this in return. That's what's God's promise. And that was never delivered. And it was really heartbreaking, but yeah. And, but everything that we were just talking about before, like that creating that peace and cell inside myself, the package got delivered. Like I'm so much happy now, but that's like, yeah, it's that peace inside yourself. It's no one else could have done that. Sorry. I'm yeah. Anyway. I, I think about all this stuff and like, you know, a, a cult is really all about systems of control. And they kind of dangle a carrot in front of you just to, or they weigh you down with something. And I, I know that like the association between associating your romantic life and sex with like world peace, I think was just, you know, it's another, uh, there's another system of control. You know, how do you get people to do what you want? Well, let me make up this sort of like doomsday scenario that if you don't do this, the world's going to be, you know, fall apart. Look at, you know, the reason why America is falling apart is because of the free sex movement kind of thing, you know, it's like, and so they kind of create this like boogeyman to sort of scare you into, you know, just kind of being compliant kind of thing. And they just like, well, if that's not going to work through, how about if you do this world peace, like, oh my God, you know, some people start to freak out because they have that weight. I think same goes for, um, if you just do these things, you'll be happy kind of thing. Something I've learned, like, while I've just, you know, been out in the outside world or whatever, is actually like, no one knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> yep. yep. So, so to me, what that shows is that like, everybody's kind of hoping for the, the get rich quick kind of tactic. Everyone's hoping for like, like, it's so everybody out there is vulnerable to feeling lonely to like not knowing what they're doing. How do I get love? You know, whether or not you're a Mooney, it doesn't matter. And so like another method of control is like, Oh, you're looking for this thing. Well, if you just follow my teachings, then you'll be happy. And if you're not happy yet, because you're not following my teachings, like, like with enough discipline. And so it's just another method of control. And they sort of, you know, any, any sort of like, sociopathic narcissist or like cold charismatic cult leader or like kind of use these tactics or anybody even in like a single like domestic relationship kind of thing that turns into like an abusive toxic one they just kind of they find whatever your whatever vulnerability is going to work for them to get control of you and for a lot a lot a lot of people it's their like you know romantic life fear of isolation for some people it's fear of world peace they want to make the world a better place and like well if you just do this then you'll get whatever you want, you know? And for many, many people, and I even think about like my parents' stories, for example, like why they joined. A lot of this has to do with like isolation and like afraid of being single or like afraid of not having love or afraid of not having a really good functioning family. You know what I mean? That are like, oh, they found somebody that said, if you just follow these steps, you'll have everything you want, sign me up kind of thing. So I just see all this stuff in the context of systems of control and they grabbed one of the most, like, most vulnerable things for all people. And it's just the fear of isolation and wanting love. They were just using that scare tactic. It was like, yeah. well, if you date in the outside world, 
then you're going to fall in love and da, 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 and do all these like, yeah. romantic things. But that was so easy to come by because you just met that guy at the bar. Well, once he gets you and uses you, he's just going to go to somebody else and do the same thing. And it's like, that is so manipulative. It's like, so if you follow our teachings and do the batching and blessing, then you're guaranteed a heteronormative, monogamous, permanent relationship that you can invest all your eggs in. And it's going to be awesome. And it's like, that is a complete lie. Let's like, all of us have been blessed <laughs> and matched and it didn't work. Um, I could have been better off meeting somebody at a bar than going to the blessing. And there was no promise. There's no guarantee. Like you said, it's a method of control. It's a scare tactic. There's a lot of shame used. There's a lot of us and them going on. It's definitely like a cultic fantasy and it's messed up. And, and we believed that for so long. And yeah. yeah. And the fear, the fear is go ahead, Kathleen. <laughs> oh, I was just going to put a small disclaimer that like what I tend to say when I'm explaining my relationship, my previous things to other people is that like this, I I'm inclined to believe that the way we met people was no better or worse necessarily than, uh, than meeting someone at a bar or on, you know, on, on Tinder or what have you, that it doesn't really matter how you meet someone. It's about what you do in the relationship. And unfortunately, because so many of us were, were not taught what we needed to have successful relationships, well, they didn't work out. But I do know of a couple relationships who met literally from like father's matching, you know, the 200 people in the room, you and you, um, who are doing pretty, pretty okay. But why? Not because of, it's not because of the church teachings. It's because about what they chose to bring into the relationship. So I just feel like I like to to just keep that little bit of balance because we may have listeners who, whether they're in or out, may have met their life partner because of these, you know, because of these systems. And I, I certainly don't want listeners to feel like we're shaming those who have those relationships. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, I love that. I do love that because yeah, there's no, there's no guarantee hundred percent, but if you did find yourself in a situation where you are compatible with your partner, that's on you. That's hundred percent on you. And mm-hmm. if, if you're the listener that, that it has found compatibility, awesome. You know, and Kathleen, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Cause it's kind of like, you want to give credit to where it's due. And I think what happens a lot of times is like, you know, like the church will say stuff like, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't be born. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have met your spouse that you're happy with. And so you kind of like, that gives us some sort of like ownership over you kind of thing. But like, let's be, let's be really honest here. Like, why is that relationship successful? You know, it's not because of some, like you guys, like y'all said, with like meeting, meeting through a matching ceremony, meeting someone at the bar, it's all serendipitous. Like, it's just, it's all chance. You know what I mean? What really makes successful is the effort put in afterwards. So it's like, if you met somebody at a bar, would you be like, oh my God, I, now I tithe to the bar. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, we well, really, let's, let's put, let's put, let's give credit where it's due. It's to y'all's effort. And also like, you know, compatibility and chemistry and that kind of stuff. Like it is, it is a real thing. It's like, there are people in this life that are more compatible than other people. And so some of that is also serendipitous kind of thing too, you know? So it's, there's a lot of chance and also a lot of effort. Just make sure we, we give it to the right, you know, people which is yourselves right yeah yeah how can anybody else take take credit for your relationship (laughs) let's lay that down that's ridiculous 
no, yeah, no institution or no other person, including your parents, which was like a huge overstep in the Unification Church, took credit for successful relationships, successful life. You always, you always are what you're only five percent. Every God is ninety five. So, in place of God, sometimes your parents would take take credit. Sometimes your central figure would take credit. Sometimes your national leader, national messiah. It was always this strange power dynamic, and so you have to undo that that thinking because it's absolutely not true so yeah i think that that yeah. night i haven't thought about that 95 five percent ratio for a very long time <laughs> yet that's definitely something you're drilling us to like yeah. to like sort of i think like it's such a the ratio is so obtuse or whatever that like <laughs> i think that once again it's it's another effort i think to like sort of latch on to like okay like claim some of y'all's relationship happiness is because of this you know what i mean just try to scrape in as much as they could right um, just make you feel like you owe them more than you actually do so back to back to dating um i have a few questions i took a poll on the instagram uh there were so many questions one of them was how was codependency built into the uc and we kind of discussed that another was what are green flags and i think Mm -hmm. we've discussed that maybe feeling safety in a relationship being able to be yourself without too much judgment or shame does that sound like a green flag a universal green flag yes I, or well would you be i feel like before we dive into green flags can we talk a little bit about like one might be a good time to get into dating i, I don't know because i feel like <laughs> i don't want to put the cart for me being able to even identify the green flags for what they are or aren't or might be or might not be um the prerequisite to that to me is like what you're doing when you aren't actively dating when you aren't i mean because well you know you, you can meet people anytime but like what are the what do you do in those moments when you're alone in the room you close the door and it's just you and you would, I mean, are you, does anyone like object if we if we go there first? Because I feel oh, like it's worth asking about. I think first. that's a super powerful foundation. Yeah, this stuff is really intricate. So, I think it's a good idea to take things chronological. Sure. <laughs> chronological. Who are we? Like, yeah, you know, get it's to a good time to start. Five days later, you're in a wedding dress. Like, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure I know about the, what the chronology is anymore, but like, I I just. Think, Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 let's expand it from just dating to just having healthy relationships because even just having healthy relationships in friendship settings was was hard coming out of the Unification Church. Yeah. I mean, everything everything was up was subject to question, but I feel like things started to kind of make take shape in my life when I started to really work on my relationship with myself. So when I left my blessing it was, I was really a mixed bag. Like on the one hand, I was starting to feel this like really intense energy of like, I deserve so much better. Like this is, this is not okay. Um, what happened? Um, but it still took time to really sit with the idea of like, I deserve to have a good relationship. It it still took some time to really, really believe that. And so, yeah, before dating, I, I, I did want to take some time to be like, okay, who am I? What do I like? What do I want? And yeah, it took, I don't know. I did it a couple of times around, like before my first post divorce 
dating. I did this to a certain extent, but I did it way more after my first breakup. That was a really interesting relationship because it was a like first love kind of feeling. I actually had it for the first time, like after an 11 year marriage, (laughs) picking someone for the first time and be like, I actually feel good. I actually feel butterflies in this person. And then it didn't work out. And I felt gutted like, this is horrible. But then, oh gosh, then I, when I realized that I, that that relationship was really truly over. Um, Cause I wasn't sure for a while I was hanging on, hanging there for a while. And then it became abundantly clear that it was over. It was like, well, fuck. Okay. And uh, I decided, I remember this day where I had, I decided to myself, okay, I want to learn how, I just want to completely fall in love with myself before I have anything to do with another person. Um, and I remember like taking myself out on dates and like really just following my own lead of like, okay, what exactly like HK was saying, like, okay, what do I like? What do I feel like eating? Where do I feel like going? What do I feel like wearing like for myself? Um, and then like sitting on the beach and lighting a candle and, and doing art just like by myself for myself, just intentionally like scheduling those moments into my my time and then slowly starting to be that person in front of other people. Um, it took, yeah, in each instance, it definitely was like several months, but I think it can, I mean, everyone's timeline is going to be different, but yeah, for me, like it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely an intentional effort of like several, several months. Um, and like also, choosing yeah i think disconnecting from a lot of the a whole another a whole other topic is like what kind of content we consume because i feel like so many of the messages it's not just cults who promote these really toxic ideas right i think we're <laughs> there are so many ideas like you're my soulmate and and you know my my other half and i have i have to spend my whole life finding this person and what if they're not the one and choosing to to slowly disconnect from that and start paying more attention to voices and content and resources that would say like, Hey, you are your one and you get to become that person for yourself. And you'll see like becoming that, becoming the one for yourself. It's like any other relationship will just naturally feel the positive repercussions of that. So like, that was something I, I, chose pretty intentionally to do because I I had had enough of people treating me like shit and noticing that I was treating myself like shit too. And it's like, well, this, this isn't going to work because how I treat myself is the standard to which other people will treat me. So best be treating myself. Well, I guess it was, it was even more amplified because I'm a mom. I have two boys and I wanted them to see both like I wanted them to see me be treated well, which of course took time um, because moms are super sacrificial and that's another podcast episode. But like once I left their dad, I was determined to raise them in a way that they would never be, that they had that they would have no chance of treating other women the way that their dad, they saw their dad treating me. Like it became, I was hell bent. I'm like, uh-uh, the cycle stops here. And so I'm really pleased that like we're on that journey of I'm quite sure that they're going to be good, good humans. So yeah, like that's, 
that's kind of what my journey looked like. It was, there was some pretty intentional decision-making there of like, I'm going to treat myself well, and I'm slowly going to show people what that looks like. And that definitely helped finding like <laughs> better, better, healthier, safer relationships by and large. Yeah. That was an important step for me. That's super interesting. I feel like I did the opposite. <laughs> oh, cool. Let's give people options. Go like, I'm, I'm super yeah. excited. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like your your journey of like really like dating yourself and like getting really in touch with yourself is something I've only recently felt the need to get into. Um, yeah, and I've been I've been single for almost four years now, and I feel like I've been dating the whole time. Honestly, yeah. As I was listening to you talk, I was like, man, I really did the opposite. I like dove straight into it, and I and my reason like, and I was I was thinking about like. Like, should, should I just take this time to be by myself and stuff like that? But I realized that the thing that was giving me so much anxiety was like, I had no clue how to navigate this place, this like being single kind of thing. We we're talking about earlier, like, you know, the weight of like this fear and like, oh, if you go down this path, you'd be miserable and things like that. And I, I remember having like literal like panic attacks when me, me and my spouse, like when we were talking, like, like really thinking about the idea of breaking up. And separating, like I would like, like I would get super big knots in my stomach and a pain in my chest of just being like, I have no clue how to survive out there, you know, and I'm just going to assume like, just there's no life after this marriage kind of thing. And I just, I just, I was so, and so like, now that I was into that stage, I was just, I had no clue. And so I immediately was like, I need to like learn some practical skills (laughs) and like, I have no clue how to do with any of my feelings. I feel so incapable. So like, to me, that was my reason for like, I need to dive into this thing like immediately. Otherwise, like I just, every day was just so full of anxiety kind of thing. Um, and I tried to, the thing that helped me the most, the kind of mindset to have was just like, I'm just collecting data. I'm just collecting information. You know what I mean? And I think that was really helpful because previously romance and all this kind of stuff was such a huge deal. Like it was the world. It was my entire life kind of thing. You know, that, that was my only, that was my relationship with like romantic relationships was like the sort of all or nothing sort of kind of things. Like, you know what? It's just dating. It's just, it's just nothing. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be anything huge. It can be very, very little things. So just get out there. If there's a cute girl, if there's a, a girl who's attractive and the conversation is nice, ask her if she wants to get coffee. Like that's, and that's, that's it kind of thing. It doesn't, and don't overthink it kind of thing. To me, that was like, you got to get these skills or else and just, and then after you get these skills, then you can like deal with the rest of whatever you need to do with kind of thing, you know, because no, so I was just cool. feeling so much anxiety from it. Go ahead. What I, as you were talking, I, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, he's relationship skill building this is amazing. Yeah. And you just, yeah. So you ended up confirming it with your own words. I didn't want to. Look. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's like, how do you just like, how do you not make a big deal out of it? How do you just like, so whenever you, maybe in the future, whenever you do want to pursue something or whatever, you have like the skill set to do it. And like, I got so many tips from like friends and I was reading articles online and like the, the biggest thing, and this is, this is a whole nother topic, but like, I'm just going to do it here. Cause like the thing that really helped me out a lot, just like reflecting and reading a lot about what consent means <laughs> oh yeah oh like, so that, that's, a, that's a whole other topic but like in in my dating life or whatever the idea was like you know to me it was like I had to sort of understand all these like hidden 
messages and like you gotta know what she wants and you gotta you know just kind of read her mind and things like that and just that you have to like woo her you have to convince her you know of all this kind of stuff that's the only way you're ever going to like have sex again that's the only way you're ever going to be in a relationship if you like convince this person to like love your shitty self or something like that you know but in reality it's like when, when you sort of flip the script to like more of a consensual like uh, empowering like empowering the other person to say yes or no kind of thing and try to help them remove all the pressure so they can just tell what they want yeah. you know and i was like oh okay so like i can ask a girl out and it's okay if she says no kind of thing like i don't have to like wait and build up this like to this big moment where i ask her out on a date to like because she has to say yes like oh you know it's okay for her to say no it's like oh yeah and that should be kind of like the whole point so like that sort of relieved a lot of the pressure from it you know i don't have to like woo somebody i can just ask and if they're down you know i don't have to read their mind i don't have to convince them i can just like ask them the question and they can just tell me and then i'd be like cool i can work with that information <laughs> You know, with that sort of consensual mindset of like empowering the person, like, no, HK, it's actually bad for you to try to, like, convince somebody, you know, to mean to like you or, like, go on a date with you. You should just, if you want to know if they want to go out with you, you can just ask them. And if they say no, cool, you all can just be friends or whatever. Like, that was extremely helpful, you know, to, like, navigate that space. Like, okay, how do you empower the other person? How do you remove pressure from the situation so they can just kind of be in touch with what they want? And if they want the same thing, then you go on a date. If you don't, nah, and it's not a big deal. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like that helps me not feel so like this is like a huge moment. You can just ask, and if they say no, it's fine. And like, that's great. They even want that. And that's like helps, you know, that's like direction society should be moving anyways. And it was, yeah. So like that was, for me, it was never like, when I, should I start dating? So I was like, I need to get these skills immediately. And like the consent sort of like mindset really helped me like navigate that space to be like okay dating doesn't need to be a big deal if she wants it and i want it it's going to happen it's not if they, we, neither of us want it one of us doesn't want it it's not going to happen it's as simple as that oh my god this conversation is making me so happy <laughs> you just like unraveled the entire theology of the vacation church with the consent mindset can i just quote like air like air quotes the consent sure. mindset <laughs> that is that is wow Consent is basically the antithesis of the cult model, right? I mean, of course, framed in the sense of like, oh, you you have, you know, you have free will, you can leave whenever you want, like no one's stopping you. But I mean, if we look underneath that, there's an incredible amount of tactics being used to control and coerce and manipulate and, and, and imprison people mentally. And I, and I, I think this is also an important moment to talk a little bit about gender, like gender roles and like the mindset that was passed on, especially in the cult model to men and to women or those who identify as such. Like, I just like on behalf of women, all the women listeners, I, I think I'm probably not alone. When I'm feeling like, thank God, there's another dude out there who actually cares about consent. Thank God. It's not just my little boys. Like when I tell them about consent on a daily basis, like, oh my God, thank God there are people out there who actually are practicing this and can be, uh, you know, that people are going to, because people are paying attention. Little kids are paying attention to that sort of thing. It's super important. But like, especially as a woman, I feel like growing up in the cult, we were taught, the, I mean, we were all taught, like I called it before, the bend me, shape me any way you want me, like I'll be whatever you want me to be thing. But I think it was especially hard on women because we were taught like your husband is your second Messiah and like you need to, 
the man is like the, the person in the house who's supposed to kind of make the decisions. Um, even if it was never like really said, I mean, true father, true mother, it was the true parents, but like, I mean, the deference always went to the, the dude and it's, it has taken a lot of, un, of unlearning to, to say like, oh yeah, okay. Consent is I get to show up and bring who I want. And I don't get to force, like, I don't force the other person to anything. They get to be them. I get to be me. If we, if we're down, cool. If we're not cool. So I feel like the step that you've taken, I, I mean, I'd love to hear your, how that experience was for you. Did you feel like that you had that extra layer of this antithesis of consent mindset that had to be shed as a guy or do you feel like it's just just like uh, yeah I'm curious how how that experience was for you uh just like deconstructing that whole thing yeah like you feel like you had extra pressure as um as a guy in the unification church to not give a shit about consent yeah it just honestly just it was never really part of the conversation yeah like that that word wasn't even really in like my vocabulary kind of thing as I'm as like yeah I I can definitely speak as like I mean and I like to I like I call myself like sort of of like an ideal Mooney kind of thing like and I really ate this stuff up and I just you know you know I I think growing up as a kid it was there was sort of I was a really obedient child and so my parents they didn't have to tell me twice I followed all the rules kind of thing and like, you know, the thing that you're, the thing that we're sold on is that, you know, like your, your wife's body is yours and your body is your wife's kind of thing. And, and yeah, like sex only happens within a marriage and a mar- and marriages are all arranged, you know? So like, so consent is never really part of the conversation. And there's like the responsibility of the woman and responsibility of the man. And like, this is how you have, a, this is how you have sex and all that kind of stuff. That was all part of the conversation. And definitely a, a lot of it was sort of this like, um, oh man, uh, <laughs> a lot of the purity culture kind of stuff too is like, you know, like masturbation is, 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 is you can't, you know, it's not allowed and things like that, or it's really impure. And, and so it's like, and so it kind of sort of creates this, what we're talking about codependency, like this relationship between like the husband and the wife even, is that it's the wife's responsibility to meet her husband's sexual needs you know, and, and it's like, and the, the husband also gets that sort of perspective. Like I'm, I'm feeling horny. Um, I'm not allowed to masturbate. And so my only outlet is my wife and that's kind of her role and period, that's it. So where does consent come into that like framework kind of thing? And I confess, like, this is like one of my, like, like I, I, this is, this is a pretty difficult topic, but like, it's, you know, I've definitely, for lack of a word, like guilt tripped my, my ex into like having sex with me like very frequently. You know what I mean? I mean, we've talked about, she and I have talked about this and like how, how that must have felt like for her. And she told me it was like, yeah, that, but like, she didn't really know how to process it in the moment because like, that's where she grew up in. You know, she understands where I'm coming from at the same time, at the same time, what is this feeling of like, I don't want to, but I have to. And it's like, so it was, it was a really like, this is, this is the larger scope of why like, you know, arranged marriages within education church or so like sexual abuse in general. You know what I mean? These kiddos, like these young, these young children grow up in this thing with no concept of like self or autonomy or sexual autonomy. You slam together in these arranged marriages and like all they know is this framework. They never even, like, I remember looking outside 
all my friends, like, you know, middle school, high school, outside the, outside the church, you know, they were doing like all this stuff. And I just like, never even bothered. It's like, Oh, I'm set. I mean, like y'all are worried about how y'all can get laid. Y'all are worried how you're going to get a girlfriend. I'm going to get an arranged marriage. I don't even need to think about these things. I already have a framework, which is like perfect. You know, all my needs are going to get met through this framework. When you go into this framework, you know, you totally neglect self autonomy, sexual autonomy kind of thing. And you kind of, you put these, these children and these or these people who grew up, you know, didn't have a choice. We were born into it, into the situation where they're basically against each other. They're sexually abusing each other and they don't know what the hell is going on kind of thing. I mean, I felt like, yeah, like, like now that I'm really digging into this stuff and I'm packing, I feel like a lot of like guilt for like what I did in like my marriage. And yeah, like once I really sat with it and try to put myself in my, my ex's shoes kind of thing, like how that must've felt for her. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, I've learned to kind of forgive myself because I didn't know better either you know, and, um, it's tough. Like, I just imagine like the trauma have come from that. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know, really sitting with that kind of feeling and like never, ever like wanting to go completely 180 in the other direction now, like in as all, like, all my romantic relationships. Like, I, I think about that a lot. Like, okay, how can I go thinking about how it must've been like for her to be in that situation where it's just like, you know, no choice in the matter. And you have to do this stuff to like, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? This is what you're supposed to do. And just trying to go, how can I avoid giving somebody that feeling, you know, 180 kind of thing is a lot of like what I, yeah, I mean, just because I mean, like, yeah, damn, that was a really tough phone call she and I had when I was like, kind of looking into this stuff, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, like, the more and more I, I thought about what consent means, and I you know, one on a practical sense to give me more skills as far as like navigating the dating world but then it started to dawn on me like oh maybe this was what it was like for her so she had a conversation i was like was this was this was this what it was like and she was like yeah and i was like i'm so sorry you know and that was like a tearful conversation i'm really glad we had it um but uh yeah that was like y'all said like consent is sort of like the antithesis of like what any kind of cult is you know Cults are all about control of choice and systems of control. So where does consent fit into that model? It just doesn't. And so like learning this stuff is like learning a foreign language almost. It's just like, how do we talk like this? How do we really acknowledge all the feelings a person can have? How do we really empower the other person to like, you know, and then also like, this is the last thing is I've got this. It also addresses a core feeling within myself of like, does this person actually want to be with me? Does this person actually love me? You know, towards the end of my relationship, like in my marriage, I could just, it just felt like, I mean, we, we feel like each other is like a decent person, a good person who deserves love or whatever, but doesn't mean like I need to give them, you know, my love or something like that. And, and so like when those feelings started to creep in and like my codependency kind of thing, it's like, oh, if she doesn't like me, then like what worth do I have kind of thing. But like the language of like consent and all this kind of stuff it was like a person acts if I we create this environment, this relationship where like there isn't a lot of pressure, we can communicate our feelings, we can be honest, it's okay to say no, I totally validate that, you know, that kind of thing. But when they do choose to like be with you in any kind of capacity or do anything with you in any kind of capacity, you know it's more honest. And it's like that 
that is such an even more validating experience to be like, oh, you weren't pressured by, you know, <laughs> like years of like, you know, a whole upbringing of guilt tripping you to like do this thing with me. Like you actually want to do with me. And like that is, you know, speaks like it just validates much more my, you know, fears and removes more of my feelings of this person actually like me. Do they actually want to do this stuff with me? Yes. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. No ideological gun pointed to their head. Mm-hmm. it's the real thing and there's yeah the fact that you're you're seeking to create relationships without the word that was coming to my mind as you were talking was enmeshment this sense of like right it was even in the ideology of like that the point is to become one right but we're not supposed to become one we're supposed to be individuals who are interdependent not codependent not and not fully independent either like we get to want to be with each other and wow, I have so many thoughts after what you said, but like the fact that you're approaching relationships after having con- like had that conversation with your ex, um, I think it's worth saying, I have no idea who's listening to this, but if there's anyone out there who like me has had a tough breakup, um, especially through if it was a blessing, a lot of us may not have ever heard our partners apologize for their behavior for things that happen. It's really, really healing and, and really cool to hear that there's someone who was ready to do that, to apologize for how, for why things didn't work out to understand the other person's point of view. And I think that's something that we can all benefit from with regardless of where our relationships go from here on in, like when we, when we screw up because it's when not if, um, choosing to, to ask for that feedback and to have that conversation of like, how was that for you? And then whether with that person or, or to yourself of like, okay, what can I take away from this situation and learn so that I can do better next time? That's huge. And we never got taught any of that. So like for a second time today, like mad props, that's huge. And I, I think that's just really, really cool. Really cool. Uh, can I mention something like similar related, but not entirely. <laughs> we were talking about art before I, I wrote a song about this idea of, I, I just remember feeling so fed up that like the people I had been in relationships with that I was dating or, or married to um, had zero willingness to be wrong. Like it was unfathomable. And I was like, Ooh, maybe I need to write a song that's like sexy about being wrong. Cause maybe then people will actually want to be wrong <laughs> and think like, Oh, it's this like intimate experience to be like, I really fucked up. What could I be doing differently? Um, and I did it. I wrote a song called wrong with me where it's like, yeah, it's very much this kind of call out to the universe of like, I really want to be with someone who's ready to do just that to, to, to own their shit. And, and in the song, I'm like saying to like, I want you to do this. I'm going to do it too. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have a double standard here. Like, yeah, if this relationship is going to work, we have to be willing to be wrong. And it's been so nice to be in a relationship where that happens all the time. Like that, that those conversations become as, as normal as breathing, but it can't happen unless we do our part. And I just really want to like celebrate you HK for what you are choosing to do. Cause not everybody makes that choice. 
that. It's tough, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's tough. You want you like, I don't like showing up and being wrong either, but it's, but I found that will being owning our shit as well as celebrating who we are, like it's two sides of the coin in my opinion, but like when we do it, people are going to do one of two things. They're either going to, it's either going to bring you closer to each other or farther apart. Either one is helpful information. Like you were saying before collecting data, people don't like it or people are unwilling to, to problem solve with me, then. Okay. You know, listening to you guys um, has been so enlightening. You guys uh, talked about how you started dating. You kind of went and, and learned to love yourself and you collected information with the mindset of consent. I think I landed somewhere in the middle, but uh, along listening to you, Kathleen, you were saying how it, it seems like the men in purity culture had the power, but it dawned on me as I was listening to HK speak that he didn't even have the power to choose his own clothing. And I think there's right. this, yeah, I think there's a smoke and mirrors that the cult gives. It breeds discord and intentionally sets us up for failure so that we're at war with each other so that the real power is held by the institution. And that is the cult that's giving us direction. Whoa, what a conversation. Okay, this is a good stopping point because the conversation goes on for another hour. So if you are interested in hearing the rest of this panel on Dating Post UC, please come back next week as I drop the second half. If you feel that this conversation has helped you, please reach out to the survivors that are speaking on my show. Um, Kathleen and HK are extremely brave for being so open and honest about this really complex and difficult subject to talk about and to be honest about. So I will put their information in the show notes. Please send them a message and just let them know that they have been heard or specifically if anything uh, really spoke with you, spoke to you, and, and, and is helping you deconstruct the Unification Church and reconstruct your life now. Um, let them know. I think that is a really big part of healing and it's a really big part of deconstructing as well as rebuilding to affirm other people and other survivors' stories and to have some give and take is just so powerful. So here's a good opportunity. Their information is in the show notes. Reach out. As always, I will talk with you guys again soon and take care of yourself. Bye. Will you see how strong it makes us to be vulnerable and see how it takes us along the path of learning how to truly We learn to forgive it starts with being wrong.